tonight, but if, if we don't, we will definitely get to you tomorrow. So let's, um, let's sing this song, Paid in Full by the Blood of the Lamb. Are you glad it's paid in full by his blood tonight? Amen. That's why we're here, the purchase, the precious purchase of his blood. Hallelujah. When justice called for a payment of sin, no one worthy could be found among men. But the precious Son of God, with the cross and thorn of crowns, paid the debt by the blood of the Lamb. Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, free from sin, free to live, now I am. And it reads on the page where my sins were written down. Sins were written down, paid 
Hallelujah. Let's sing that course, uh, Touching Jesus. And we're going to ask Brother Ryan and I believe his family and Sister Durrett if they'll be uh, make their way up here for their song. Oh, touching Jesus is all that really matters. And your life will never be the same. And there is only, only one way to touch Him. God bless you all. I've just been so blessed. Um, Brother Rhino has been trying to learn the song for me for a while, and I've been putting it off. I've just been, but it means so much to me. The Lord's done so much for me. It's one of things to worship him tonight. It was supposed to be for tomorrow night, but my girl's been really sick, coughing really bad, and just, just too sick to come. And I don't know if I'll be making it tomorrow night, so I want to go ahead and do this for the Lord tonight. And I just thank Brother Rhino and his girls for being there for me. And being patient and, and helping me is <laughs> such a blessing.
We were listening to the story of Jonah the other night, and uh, the scripture says when Jonah fled to Tarshish, he left the presence of the Lord, and uh, the Lord, his presence is his word, and wherever his word is, if you have that right heart, his spirit comes on the scene, and his presence, so you can't be the same once the Lord comes on the scene and quickens his word. You can't. There's just something that changes that goes beyond what we taste, feel, smell, hear, and it's a supernatural experience that we have. Amen. Uh, let's uh, sing that little chorus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul in the key of F. And we are going to ask, um, we're going to ask um, 
Is his mics ready? Did y'all get that ready back there? Okay. We're going to ask Brother Michael, Sunday school class, uh, if they get ready to come up here for their special, okay? Amen. How many thank the Lord for saving us tonight? And if you're not saved, he's here. His presence is here. And he can bring a lost soul in and fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you a word birth that you don't have to walk away with here the same. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving to We have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked and one by one the enemy has whispered lies and led them off as slaves mm. but we know that you are God, yours is the victory. As we know there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we'll step into the valley unafraid. As we call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. As we call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Up out of the ashes, let us 
So breathe, the breath of God. 
as we call out to dry bones and come alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe the life giver is here tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just sing one more before uh, we call our brother up. How great is our God tonight? Amen. We know he's already great, but we just want to tell him how great he is. And um, I tell you, if you're dead in the sin of the world, he's a life giver tonight. You don't have to stay that way. You can die to yourself and he can give you life. We've sung about his presence. We've talked about his word. We, we've uh, sung about how he can, uh, he's a resurrection in life. Let's just tell him how great he is. He's our great um, Lamb of God who intercedes for us, and we just thank him for the light that he's shown his bride. Amen. Let's all stand. The splendor of a king. Oh, yes, he's clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. light tonight and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice oh how great is our Yeah. 
Lord Friday night. The world's partying. The world's getting ready for a weekend. They're getting ready for a new year. We're going to get ready to hear the word of God. Amen. We have Brother Wayne Lawson with us now from, uh, from he's now in Ohio, but he's from Arkansas. And good to have him with us today, and he's going to bring the message today and tomorrow. And remember, tomorrow at 8 o'clock, we will start here. Um, we need to uh, probably get here around 5.30 or 6. I think you've got some scheduling. Um, Esther's been so wonderfully um, adamant about everybody practicing. So, so get with her, and she's giving up her time to come and practice. So come and practice your songs and testimonies and bring all that. Bring some food tomorrow. We'll have food. And we'll have start service at 8 o'clock. All right, everybody with me? Start service at 8 o'clock. Then we'll, about 30-minute song service, we'll have Brother Lawson out here and let him preach his heart out. And then we'll have singing and testimony up until midnight. And then we'll be taking communion right at midnight. So let's just keep all this in our prayer. Remember, Sunday there'll be no service uh, because we'll be here late. And uh, we, will, uh, we will never not have a service at Christmas again. I felt backslid yesterday. Well, well, if y'all didn't, then you're lying. If y'all didn't, you didn't want to come to church anyway. I wanted to go somewhere. Amen? So, I just didn't like it. Uh, We're going to have church. Amen? We're gonna, well, we're going to have church tonight. Brother Wayne's come fully loaded. And we've, we've heard him many times. Uh, we heard him at Brother uh, Eugene Collins' several years ago and uh, then we saw him online a few times he's a wonderful preacher brings a wonderful message uh, well taught solid individual and I like those kind of people I told him I said buddy we're well taught so just keep just preach whatever you need to preach I said we will we will uh, pull on the gift because we know the giver thank you all for coming thank the group from uh, down in Lincoln for coming today and We've got uh, Brother Daniel and Sister Debbie still here and Brother David and all that group, Sister Andy, all the kids. Man, it's good to have all of you here. I know some of you are going to have to go back tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I see you back there. Justina's boy back here with us again. So good to see you, buddy. <clears throat> You're going to have to whip your mama. Yeah. yeah, I know. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So anyway. But um, and then we got Olivia with us tonight. We just we're just all kind of special tonight. It's good to have each and every one of you with us. Pull on the gift as our brother comes. We uh, well, I, that brother, where are you from? You're from Lincoln, aren't you? You're from Ohio. Bless your heart. We long drive. I hope you didn't start this morning. Where you go to church at? Okay, so he knows who you are. Okay. Oh, you just can't miss far to hear him preach? Wow, that's pretty good. I can't get him 15 minutes to come up here to hear me preach, so. So anyway, pull on the gift. Give God the glory for everything we're doing tonight. The songs and all the things that we do, all the things that we gather together to have the special meeting. <clears throat> Let's sing... Um, Whatever you want to sing, Brother Joe, you want to sing Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, as, as Brother Wayne Lawson comes from Ohio. He goes to Brother Ray Erickson's church. He calls that home, and uh, we appreciate him. Uh, like I said before, 
just pull on the gift. Let God give you something today. Amen. You didn't come to see your neighbor. You didn't come to fellowship with your neighbor. You came to fellowship with God. And if you'll fellowship with God, I'll promise you, he'll bring that vessel in line and he'll bring it right through him to whatever you need tonight. So pull on that gift. Let's sing Open the Eyes of My Heart as Brother Wayne Lawson comes to speak. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. bless you all tonight certainly good to be here in the house of the lord and good to see everybody and uh who was here from brother ray's oh god bless you amen come a long ways tonight god bless you certainly good to see you and amen uh i'm wondering if there must be something else involved in him just coming to hear me preach uh, okay yeah the mystery's revealed i got it it's something to do with a with a sister, okay, amen. I, I was thinking, I know he likes me, but man, that's a long drive. Amen, and uh, it's good to have you with us tonight, amen. It's good to see everybody and good to see old friends, and uh, we certainly uh, truly appreciate the invitation to be here. We bring our greetings from Brother Erickson and the church family there at True Word Tabernacle and all the saints. And, uh, of course, we've known you guys, I, I mean, all the way back to Brother Collins and uh, met Brother Sam a few times back over at uh, the Ruth meetings. And God bless you, Brother Sam. And, amen, I know you, you all have been a, a great instrument in getting the message of the hour out and preaching it and keeping it alive among the people. And, and and we just want to say God bless you. I seen the Collins family there when I came in. I know you all changed your names, but to me, you're still Brother Collins' daughters and and family. And uh, God bless you. And uh, it's it's a it's a tremendous to get to see you all again. And Amen. I I, I sure sometimes just sit and think about those days and those meetings and 
Amen. Brother Collins was always a blessing to preach to. You never, you always had such fun preaching to him because he would just, he just wanted it, you know, bring it on. And so uh, we just want to say God bless you. It's certainly an honor. Amen. And uh, we certainly miss him being here tonight. And Amen. Um, I trust you come tonight, amen, to receive something from the word of life. And Amen. So if we could tonight, uh, maybe we just bow our hearts in a word of prayer. And it's first night of the meeting. It's a Friday night. And I wonder if you're standing there close to someone, maybe you might just put your hand upon them and, and you pray with them and ask God to do something special for their life tonight. I believe this could be a special event in the presence of God. Almighty God, we're here tonight because we're your children. And Lord, it is written that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that you would come among them, Lord. And you would be in our presence. Now, Lord, we're certain you're here tonight by your word of promise and by our faith to receive it, Lord. And wherever you are, good things happen. Now, we're expecting the supernatural among us tonight. We're expecting, God, that you would move in a supernatural way, speaking to the heart of your children. Father, I pray your spirit would charge every believer here tonight to rise in another level of faith, Lord. And Father, as these believers, one to another, have their hands even laid upon each other, praying one for the other. I pray the Holy Ghost would just move in such a way, Lord. May you, may you anoint your people tonight. May you break every spirit that would be unlike you. I pray you would bind them, Father. And Lord, as we would speak to your children, we ask the great witness that you would just come in the room. And Lord, you'd walk the aisles of this building tonight. Father, if there be any sick among us, I pray that you would heal them. For it is written in your word that you sent your word and you healed the people. Now we're asking you tonight to bring that among us, Lord, as we invite you into this room to be more than just our Savior. But Lord, be our Lord tonight. Be the ruler of our souls and lives and speak to us from your word that we may know you, Father. Now we're asking these things in the mighty name name of Jesus Christ we pray amen and amen and God bless you tonight if you have your Bibles with us uh, yeah I would if you just turn in the scripture with me tonight to the book of Daniel the 11th chapter amen whoever is on the sound give me more in my in my monitor and let me control the volume that way uh, it's about three quarters before I get the sound in my ear just turn that side up probably on the board of the auxiliary. Just turn that part up. Um, we want to look in Daniel 11 and verse 32. Daniel 11 and 32. Now this to me is a very powerful scripture. but Branham uses it a lot. And um, he, was, he was very much um, placed this as an end time scripture. So I, I want to just speak from it just for a moment tonight. Daniel 11 and 32. And such do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people, and can you say that with me, the people? The people. That do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So we're going to be looking at a couple things. The people know God. And do great exploits. Amen. So we want to tonight to speak to you a little bit upon the exploits of faith. You can be seated if you'd like. And we just want to uh, take a few minutes in the scripture here. And I, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy when I read scripture. I think who's that talking about? 
uh, I want to know what the scripture is talking about and who who is it and is it uh, is it a certain group of people is it a you know who who would that be and when you read this scripture the people of God you all you all know everyone's trying to get that position uh, that we're the people you know everyone wants to be the people of God uh, but you know when God wrote His Word. I don't believe God was just throwing that out there, uh, that whoever wanted to be that, but I believe God had something in mind. I, I think that God uh, has, he's an all-knowing God. So God has something in mind when he writes something. And when he says, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, I, I believe that it's, I believe that it's speaking of a prophecy concerning a people. Uh, the same book, you, know, you read the book of Daniel and you read the 12th chapter of the book of Daniel and it's a, it's a tremendous reading but it's also in the second and third chapters of Daniel that you'll find the the entire world events are prophesied through Daniel when he comes to Nebuchadnezzar's dream and then in Daniel 7 he has his own visions and he he tells you in the book of Daniel who will be in control in the world throughout the entire Gentile kingdoms so the book of Daniel is a prophetic book of course it's an Old Testament book of revelations right and so it's a it's a powerful book and uh, and what's beautiful is to see that our name is actually in the book now the prophet tells us that when the seals are opened that what it will do is it will call our names by the revealing of that mystery and that's what I, I think is powerful is that you when you're able to hear it that it that it speaks to you now the people of course uh, this would be another prophecy of this same of this same type comes in the book of Hosea uh, when Hosea uh, is spoke to by God uh, here it says yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured nor numbered and it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them ye are not my people there it shall be said unto them ye are the sons of the living God now you know that prophecy concerning of course when it says you are not my people but there it shall, shall be said unto them you are the sons of the living God now if that's just speaking to the Jews it would say you are the servants of the living God but being that it says that you are the sons of the living God now we know it's dealing with the Gentile because Israel is servants and Gentiles are sons so when he starts dealing with the sons then there's a, a Hosea's prophecy speaking of this when they wasn't a people of course this is Abraham's seed right there there was no seed at all but he said thy seed shall be as the stars and the sand so it's a prophecy of a people coming when there was nothing there will be this great people coming in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 9, Peter describes the same people from the book of Daniel 11, also in the book of Hosea. And he's speaking of the Hosea prophecy when he says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Of course, that's a king priesthood, right? Royal priesthood, kings and priests. And a holy nation, it's a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Now, which in times past... You were not a people, but now are the people of God and have that which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Amen. Isn't it powerful that Apostle Peter is now taking that from the book of Hosea and he's 
identifying it into the Gentile church. So what Hosea was talking about is you Gentiles. In Romans chapter 9, Paul will speak of this same prophecy. Romans 9, 23. He said, he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared unto glory. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jew only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith in Hosea, of course, that's the book of Hosea. I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in that place where it is said unto them, you're not my people. They shall be called the children of the living God. So it's speaking of the Gentiles. So when you say that the people shall know their God, now we realize that it's including the Gentile church. But the Gentile church is a big church. And there's a lot of people that's called into that. But it starts narrowing down when you go into the scripture into the book of Revelations, the 18th chapter. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her sins that you receive not her plagues. Now we're seeing that that people in Daniel 11 is now in the book of Revelations, the 18th chapter and the fourth verse. And I, I wonder who them people are, amen, that heard that voice to come out of Babylon. Amen. That is the people, the Gentile bride that is called out by the message of the hour. Remember Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time. That, that was one of the great revelations. He's seen those millions coming to him. And he said, are these all Branhams? He said, oh no, these are your converts. Amen. These are the people that scripture talked about that would come in the end time. And they actually said to Brother Branham, had you not come, we would not be here. Amen. Because he had to make that great decision in love divine. Remember he he had to make that great decision to stay with the word, to open the word. And because he did that, there's a people, amen, that made the other side, that had their robes washed in the pardoning grace of the word. So I believe that, that we would be those people. Can you see your name there in Daniel 11? Amen. The people that know their God. That's speaking of you. you. Somebody said, are we actually in the Bible? Of course you're in the Bible. In Daniel 11, he's not just talking about any people. He's talking about Gentile people. He's talking about the people called out under this message. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul would actually say in the 17th verse, he says that this, this should increase us. This should give us something. In Ephesians 1 he said the Lord uh, God uh, uh, the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may he give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in saints. I think it's a powerful thing what Paul is saying here. You hear Brother Branham say pray for revelation more than you pray for anything else. Now Brother Branham was scriptural because here Paul is saying to the church pray for understanding uh, you, you see that's this is what Job was talking about in Job the 42nd chapter when he was asking God you remember God asked him where were you that he turns around and then begins to ask God amen in other words if this knowledge is accessible if this knowledge exists then I'm desiring I'm thirsting to understand because God has said I can understand that I'm not I'm not no longer satisfied with just a good sermon or a good little Baptist 
uh, Bible story that someone has to tell. But the Bible said there would be a people that would know their God. Then this, this knowledge is available. Then, then, then God has intended for somebody to know him. Listen, friends, this is not just you wanting to know God. He intends for you to know him and he desires to be known of you. You know, you know that great mystery, Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Beautiful book. Brother Man brings open the purpose of God. He said, one of the great purposes of God, the great, the great soul purpose, the number one purpose was that God wanted to be made known. Adam knew him. Adam heard him say. Adam talked with him. Adam had the angels. But Adam did not know him in a way that satisfied God to be known. But God let Adam fall from the Garden of Eden in perfection. He let him fall out of that perfection to come into this time space that the revelation of who and what God is would be given back to man and then God picks man back up and brings him back into an Eden condition but you have bypassed where Adam was standing in the beginning you don't know God like Adam you know God beyond what Adam knew amen it's not just that God says that you he loves you you understand the love of God you're understanding the grace of God you're understanding the power of redemption if anybody knows what it means to be saved I know what it means to be saved if anybody knows what it means to be lost and undone I know what it means to be lost and undone and if God had not intended me to have that knowledge I would never have that knowledge amen but it wasn't that God wanted us to fall he wanted us to know he's a savior it wasn't that God wants someone to be sick he wants you to know that he's a healer do you know the Bible said in John 14 that in that day they shall know that I am the father the father me and I and you there is a direct prophecy of Jesus his own words that you would know in this day some people say well you can't know you're born again but Jesus said you could and Jesus said there would come a day that you would know and you say how would I know brother Branham says it like this John 14 and 20 he said I'll tell you what will happen right there he says God Elohim will become material in the church of the living God amen just as God was in Christ Christ is in the church manifesting himself in the power of his word and his revelation you see Paul is saying that we praise that the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would do something it would open the eyes of our understanding and we would be enlightened or illuminated with the word of God what if the word began to really illuminate you what if illumination really struck you then it would give you understanding of God it would give you understanding of yourself it would give you understanding of who you are and brother there is power in understanding it positionally knowledges amen the, uh, positionally places the church in maturity and in knowledge Ephesians chapter 1 of course the eyes of our understanding being enlightened I like Ephesians 1 it's a beautiful chapter but just after he says your eyes are open do you know what the next verse is told it holds the exceeding power and the greatness of God which was exhibited in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was raised up to sit at the right hand of the father and all things were put under his feet now that's where the prophet of God began to put the church in power remember if you're reading Ephesians 1 you're reading Revelations 3 and you're reading in the Laodicean age somebody would overcome Laodicea and they would have their eyes opened and they would share in the throne of Almighty God listen if you ever catch the revelation of this message in the spirit of wisdom and revelation it will put you over your enemy it will put you over the devil it will place you over whatever birth you've had whatever troubles you've had whatever's coming to your life your knowledge of God will exalt you to the right
right hand of Almighty God. I'll tell you what, friend, it's a powerful thing to know that we have not set ourselves here, but before we came here, God intended for us to sit in this seat, and we have been anointed for this time and this generation, the eyes of understanding, illuminating the church to knowledge and wisdom. And if you're going to see something, what you ought to see, you ought to see the presence of God. You ought to see the power of God. You ought to see the reality. You say, how can I see him, Brother Wayne? Brother Branham said to recognize the presence of God is to see promised word manifested and you'll know you're in his presence. That is his proof of manifestation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen, friends, this Bible said we ought to know him and we ought to pray to know him. We ought to know him in the power of resurrection. According to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm just thinking of this, that the Bible's telling us that if we would know the Lord, that we would increase in understanding and the vastness. So Holy Ghost boldness would be released in the church by that knowledge. See, the knowledge of God is more than just a, a book understanding. The knowledge of God is knowing that if God said it, God can do it. The God that we serve created the heavens and the earth. And if he said you can take the land, I promise you can take the land. If God said the wall fall, the wall will fall. Amen. If you know God, you know that you can just listen to his word. And there's a God there that can manifest his word no matter the situation. So Holy Ghost boldness begins to be released in you. You begin to believe for impossible things. You believe that things that were completely impossible has become possible. Isn't that powerful someone that really knows God they know this is impossible but it's possible because there's a God amen it's not that we're trying to uh, act like things are not there that are or we're not trying to act like things that ain't there are going to be there but confession like Abraham said the things that are not they are, and the things that are, they are not, because everything has to come into the Word of God. We're going to move from glory to glory, friends. We're going to see the mighty exploits of God. We're going to know Him beyond the current measure of our knowing. The limitations begin to come off. You, you, if, you, if you have limited God, you have limited the believer. If you've limited God, you have limited to the believer. If you have limited your God, you can go no higher than the gods you know. But when God wanted to be introduced to this generation, he sent Malachi 4. He did not send an educated man. He sent a humble man that met God in the pillar of fire and came back and told this church, he's a living Lord Jesus. And he's, every bit of his word is still the truth. You know it matters who introduces a man, don't you? It matters who introduces you. You know, uh, I used to, I got a good friend, Brother Matt McClern. He's a world, he's actually a world champion pistol shot. 1991, he won the world shoot. I mean, the, the world shoot. And when I first knew him, I knew him as Sean and Jonathan Martin's brother-in-law. <laughs> they been just, a nice guy sitting there kind of quiet. And one day somebody said, well, you know, Brother uh, Matt here, he, he won. And I get to looking the guy up and he's, he's known all over the world. I've been having coffee with him for days. I have no clue who this guy is. And somebody finally introduces me. And, and and you know what I found out? Amen. He had another level to him that I wasn't getting at all. But he was he was somebody. I was sitting in the presence with a very famous man. Didn't have no clue who he was. And you know there's people in this generation that does not know that Jesus Christ is alive. They don't know him more than just a church ethic or some social gathering. They don't know him more than just somebody they've read about or something. Is looked. But there is a way in this generation that we have been introduced to the God 
God of the Bible. The same Lord Jesus. William Branham introduced us to the same Lord Jesus. Not a Jesus of yesterday. Not a Jesus of tomorrow. But a Jesus of today. The same Jesus that was in the Bible has been introduced in this generation. And you can know him. And you can meet him in the power of his resurrection. Now Brother Branham in the paradox in 64. He said this. I want to know him. And to know him is to have life. I don't want to be a smart man. I want to know him. He said, Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Isn't it amazing? Somebody one time, can you imagine arguing scripture with Brother Branham? <laughs> and they said, Brother Branham, problem with you is you just don't know your Bible very well. He said, yes, but I know the author very good. <laughs> Amen. And I tell you, if you're going to know one or the other, wouldn't you want to know the author of the Bible? Amen. If you know the author of the Bible, you've got life. To know the word without the author, the Bible said the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Amen. You can take this word and kill people. You can, and The Bible talks about people that are twice dead and plucked up. You know what I figured out that is? That's people that are dead and religion has killed them dead dead. You know, Amen. They were dead. If people's dead in the world, at least they got hope there's grace or there's something to save them or something to help them. But if they get religion and they get dead dead you know they get embalmed with embalming fluid of that there's no hope for tomorrow there's no way to change there's nothing that can happen but William Branham did not introduce that kind of God to us he did not introduce us to a God just of the letter but he introduced us to the God of creation and anointing and power that was able to change lives I, I want to know him but I want to know him by his word brother Branham said but see the thing is to know him by this word that's alright but it's a long ways from being sufficient to know him by the word we've got to know him by the person of his resurrection let me ask you who knew him better by the word than Paul did but Paul knew the word so well he was fighting the resurrected Jesus and didn't even know it his zeal was fighting the anointing by the written word. But one day he met him in the person. And when he met him, his life was changed. Amen, God. Amen, God. Come to him and change his life. And then Paul said, I have known him. Amen. He was seen of them. But last of all, he was seen of me. And Paul didn't see him in the, in the human body in his resurrection. He saw him in the pillar of fire. Come on, church. Amen. Do you know you've met him like Paul met him? We met him like Paul met him in this generation at Gentile churches to meet him in the pillar of fire. Do you all know the pillar of fire is still here? Amen. The pillar of fire always accompanies the message of the hour. Amen. Our God is not dead. He's not somewhere in a tomb. Somebody said, how do you think the pillar of fire is Jesus? Well, Paul met him. He said, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. And Brother Ben said, now we now have amen, the photograph. I don't know where it's at now, but we now have the photograph amen, of the supernatural angel of the Lord over William Branham's head. Of course, it was the same Lord Jesus. The same Lord Jesus because he wants to be made known. Now the prophet of God, and you must be born again, said the true word comes to a true prophet. And he tells you the true word and you follow the true word and you get a true experience of the word because the word is made flesh in you and you become God's son. And the word of God is revolving right out of you, God into you because you are his nature, his spirit is in you and you'll do the works of God. The Bible said so. Amen. 
Isn't that something? Now, a true believer does not have to work up being a believer. He's just a believer. Amen. They don't have to work themselves into it. They don't have to beat themselves into it. They're just believers. That's what they are. They just believe. And, and the things of God, the works of God, follow the believers of God. Now, you know, the scriptures is telling us then there is an experience with God. Now, it's a powerful thing because really, if you've ever experienced God, it's not just a one and done, right? Amen. People say to me, uh, Brother Wayne, tell us about your experience. I say, which one? Amen. Because I did have one, and then I had another one, and then I had another one, and I just had a couple on the way down here to preach these meetings. So, so my experience with God has never stopped. And listen, friend, if your experience with the Lord has quit, amen, it's time to reacquaint yourself with the resurrected Lord Jesus. Amen. To bring him in your car, bring him in your home, bring him in your life. He is alive and wants to fellowship with his church. Amen. Now, now, the prophet will say something in the message, Feast of the Trumpets. Years ago, I remember somebody telling me, stay away from this sermon. It, it, it would confuse me. But you know what? I always found that the real good stuff is under the scarecrow. Amen. The real good fruits, where they tell you, stay away from that. That's first place I want to go. So what, what are they trying to keep me out of, you know? But uh, in the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham actually, Brother Branham says something that's so powerful. That's it, a powerful sermon altogether. But here in one of them, he says this. Now, of course, we're in the book of Daniel, right? And Brother Branham is talking about the Messiah. And he said, now, the people that's believing him, how will they know it unless they're constantly in the word? See, see, to know what he is. See, the wise shall know, but the foolish and unwise wouldn't know him. Now, you know where he's at. He's in Daniel 12 now. He said, the wise shall know, but the foolish and unwise wouldn't know. They shall know their God. Look at this. Now, he's in Daniel 11. They shall know their God. Now, he shall appear in the last days to bring the people back to the word so the bride will know her husband, know her mate, the revealed word. That's why this has to happen. That's why there has to be a messenger. That's why there has to be a prophet. And I don't have time to preach on Feast of Trumpets tonight, but let's get real quickly. Let's say this. Feast of Trumpets to Israel was the trumpet sounding under Eichmann and Hitler persecution putting Israel back in its homeland, right? The Feast of Trumpets to the bride was the opening of seven seals that calls the bride back to their homeland. What the trumpet's done for Israel, the seal's done for the bride. It calls them into their foreordained position that God had in his mind concerning the church. So the prophet is telling us this message has to sound so the bride will know her husband. Now, a lot of people think that when Jesus returns that they're going to go meet him and then they're going to go meet their husband and they think like this, but the image they have of Jesus is so different than the word image that they've already missed him and don't even know it. Amen. But, but, but the prophet is saying he will appear in the last days to bring the people back to the word so that they the bride will know her her husband know her mate do you know your mate is the revealed word of the hour 
The husband of the church is the message of the hour. It's the word that's been revealed. That's why it's a headship. That's why it's a capstone message. It's because it's the headship. It's the, it's the one that we're married to. This new anointed word. We have married to this anointed word. And the bride shall know her mate. Amen. Now I want to reread that Daniel 11. And watch what it says there in Daniel 11. He says it very clearly. He says that the, 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 uh, the, the, the people of God shall be strong and do great exploits, right? The people shall be strong and do great exploits. Brother Branham is re-saying that for you. I love how he does it. Sometimes he's not adding or taking. He's re-saying the scripture so you can catch it. Listen to him. He said, they shall know their God. Now, well, he's in Daniel eleven thirty-two. They shall know their God. He shall appear in the last days to bring the people back to the word. There it is. The people shall know their God. Now, look at the next thing he says here. The bride will know her husband. The people now, in his word, is the bride. Amen. Amen. The people shall know their God. The word God now, Brother Random, has changed for husband. The people shall know their God is the bride will know her husband, the revealed word of the hour. That is the maid of the church. If they ever know him, they will grow in strength. They will get powerful. They will, they will, they will get a, a strength from him because they know the God of the Bible is the God that has promised to become the husband of the church in the end time. That's why this has to happen. So the bride will know her husband. Know her. How many knows him tonight? How many knows him tonight? Now, of course, Daniel is speaking of the end time. In Daniel chapter 12, and you, you can look at and see it in the ninth verse, the Bible said the words are closed and sealed to the time of the end, and many shall be purified and made wide and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. Boy, that's true, huh? The wicked shall do wickedly. Anybody got any doubt that they're doing it? <laughs> the wicked shall do wickedly. They are doing their job perfectly. And none of the wicked shall understand. Isn't that something? And they shall not understand. But the wise shall understand. So now the people of Daniel 11 is the wise of Daniel 12, is the wise virgin of Matthew 25, and she's the wise man of Ephesians chapter 5. What are we talking about? We're talking about the same people describing many different ways in the Bible. You're not just in one place in Scripture. You're all over the Bible because you're a part of the Word that is to manifest in the end time. Do you see the wise shall understand? Now, if you're a Bible student, you know that Revelation 22 speaks of the moment that he meets the angel he wants to worship that John says he heard him say, unseal the book, right? Daniel, uh, over there in Daniel, he said, he'll seal it up to the end, and then the wise shall understand. Revelation 10 said, seal it up to the seventh angel. And Revelation 22 said, an angel came to him and said, it's time to unseal the book. Well, amen, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Unseal the book, but then it said, the wicked shall, the righteous shall be righteous, and the unrighteous shall be unrighteous still. But the wise shall understand. So there's a spirit of wisdom released with the opening of the word of God. It's not just that God opened the word. He released the spirit of wisdom upon the church that they might see and identify that this is God. My, when I think about this, he said, the wise shall understand. Ephesians chapter 5, wherefore he saith, awaken thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. 
Now look at the beauty of this. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now watch what Paul says. Wherefore be ye not unwise. You hear Brother Branham talk about this a lot of times. He says don't, don't be unwise. Don't be the unwise virgin. Amen. Now the foolish virgin is in uh, Matthew 25. But the unwise is in Ephesians 5. And he's saying but be ye not unwise but in understanding know what the will of the Lord is. Now in the message of adoption brother Adam will tell us this he said the other day I took this word mystery in scripture and it began to pack me back in the Old Testament then put me over in the New Testament and tied something together see the mystery of his coming three things the mystery of his coming the mystery of his will and the mystery of us setting together there's three things you're catching you're going to catch the mystery of his coming the mystery of his will and the mystery of us setting together you say brother Wayne all that's in the message absolutely absolutely it's in the message do you, do you see the great mystery of his coming that's released under this message is not the coming for the millennium it's the coming for the carrying away of the church so the church has got to be caught up in the mystery of the hour which is the seven seal it's the mystery of her going it's the mystery of rapture and the mystery of body change but to catch it you got to catch the mystery of his coming you say the mystery of his coming yes it's Elohim see the mystery of Elohim is what has been given to this Joshua generation you say Elohim, yes, that's what come to Abraham. Remember when Elohim took a body and spoke to Abraham as the word and discerned their hearts and he's called his name Lord. Brother Abraham said, was he Lord? He said, Abraham called him God. He said, then he proved he was God when he said, where's uh, Sarah, thy wife? And Abraham said, she's in the tent behind me. He said, see, there's the proof that he was talking to the Lord. The word is a discerner of the thought and tent of the heart. Why did he discern there? Why was the discernment there? Brother Abraham said, was building a sign so he built the sign in the days of Abraham Jesus read the book of Genesis and said as it was in the days of Lot so shall it be in the coming of the son of man then Elohim has been predicted to return in the last days and the mystery of Elohim has shown us that God himself would take human bodies in the end time and we've seen the proof of it there's over 8300 times on tape where William Branham discerned the thought he told the need he gave by vision exactly what was done in the book of Genesis and never one time did anybody say brother Branham that's wrong every time they said it was true because it was the spirit of truth that was bringing the revelation to the church that it's Jesus that's here it wasn't the man William Branham he took a temporary resurrection and God used his body to bring that revelation of the coming of the Lord to the church it was Elohim that was coming what does this mean? Elohim is back in the flesh. Come on, church. And this ain't just God with us. This ain't Isaiah 9, God with us. Come on, this is Matthew, the 28th chapter. I'll be with you even in you until the end of the ages. John 14, because I live, ye live also. And in that day you shall know that I am in the Father, the Father, me and I and you. My goodness, what a resurrection that was and what a resurrection this is. He's alive and you're alive. And the Elohim coming is showing us the same God. He's just changing masks. Amen. You're the generation that knows he's not three gods. He's one God. 
but he's a God with the same nature. He just changes his mask. And in the last days, he promised to appear to us in the form of the bride of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, for you that look for his appearing the second time, you shall see it with, without sin under salvation. If you knew what you're looking at, as he said to the woman at the well, if you knew you was talking to, you would ask for me. If, if you have identified what this word is, you would say, God, fill me with it tonight. Fill me with your quickening power. The living God has come among us. The God of the Bible has awoken and arose and walked into the church of the living God. And I say, arise and awake. Awaken yourself from the sleep of this Laodicea and notify yourself that Elohim has returned among us to make known the mystery of his will. Mm, Ephesians said he would do it. It's adoption. That he would make known the mystery of his will. That's exactly what he told Abraham. The will of God concerning his life. The will of God concerning the body change. And the prophet of God said, of course, of course you'll not have the will of God without his word. You've got to have Elohim coming to have Elohim restore the word so you can know the will of God. And Brother Bram said that third revelation of that, he said, would be the mystery of us setting together. So Ephesians 1 lets us see we're setting with him in heavenly places. And listen, that's not a church age message, friends. That's not just to every message, to every age. Matthew 20 says it wasn't. They asked Jesus to set it the right and left hand. He said, I can't give it to you because God's already given it to a certain group of people that would be coming in the end time. Brother Brown said to be granted to that word bride in that last day, the overcomer of Laodicea. I'm talking about somebody sitting with the throne of God with dominion and power, with adoption upon their hearts and upon their life. This message ain't just a watered down theological idea. It's the power of God that's come in the church to anoint us and identify us for the rapturing of the church. It's the vindication that we're sitting with him. We're sitting that you, you, you could get pretty evangelical here. Hey man, you could get there if you wanted to, but we're setting with him in the countdown, right? We're setting with him in the countdown ready for takeoff. That's where the church is. She's sealed away in there. You say, where's this going to happen? I'll tell you what, he's here and he's with the church and he's in the church. He's not just here. He's tabernacled in the church and the Bible says it prophecy after prophecy. Brother Brown said it'll happen in the same time that the stone is going to smite the image of Babylon. And we have seen the rock hewed out of the mountain. We have seen the great capstone revelation of the word smash against denomination. And the people that see that will be people that are wise and they shall know their God and become strong. My, the strength this message ought to give you. The overcoming strength, the anointing to rise above every denominational creed, above every teaching of Trinitarian and false denominational baptisms. It ought to give you the strength to stand. If you've got to stand alone, then let's stand anyhow because God has strengthened the church with the anointing of this word. We have seen him. We have heard him. And we are setting with him. We have sat down with communion with Elohim. My feeding from that bread word. Drinking the wine. I'm talking about communion with Melchizedek. We met him on the road, church. The battle's over. We know who we are. We know where we're going. We are not struggling tonight, wondering what's right and which way to go and what are we going to do. Amen. God has given it to us. It's in our hands. What are we going to do with it? 
I say we ought to tear down the kingdom of hell and establish the kingdom of God in every heart, in every life. Thus saith the Lord. There ought to be a word of power and a word of anointing to drive out every doubt and every conflict and every idea of man. Our young people need some strength, church. They need a Holy Ghost strength. They need strength of people that know who they are and what they believe and why they believe it. We're not just a bunch of lukewarm jellyfish. Not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. Come on, somebody's going to know their God. All that's going to leave them. And it's going to happen in the same time that that rock is hitting that image. And there's a people that will come out of it. If you watch it long enough, you'll see that that, that rock will grow into a great mountain. She'll be that great pyramid mountain. That great bride of Christ will come out of that revelation. It's not going to quit growing until it takes over, friends. It happens in that there's going to be a people that follows it. Revelation 10 tells us that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God. Is it okay if I remove this? The mystery of God would be finished. Amen. That he hath declared unto his servants the prophets. Amen. I'm just going to lay it there. Somebody will have to move it in a minute. But amen. The mystery of God would be finished. According to beginning and ending Gentile dispensation, Brother Bram said the mystery of God is God in you. Woo, brother. You mean the creator is going to take flesh? And not just any flesh, but your flesh. Have you ever really let that sink down into that heart that God is intending on claiming your flesh? Brother, I tell you, it's powerful. It's a powerful time. It's a powerful generation. Amen, that it's a happening of God in you, the hope of glory. Now, the people shall know their God and shall do exploits. Brother Bram ties them two things together. The mystery, God in you, and shall know their God. In Ephesian church age, Brother Bram says it like this. Daniel heard those seven thunders and were forbidden. And John heard the voices in the book and was sealed. And the back of the book was sealed with seven seals. But in the days of those seals to be opened, the mystery of God would be finished. In other words, God would be made known to the church. Now, I know these quotes, and there's some things could be taught around them, but y'all, y'all let, let's just get the point of it. The mystery of God would be finished, and in other words, God would be known in his church, not in three people, but in one person. He's just one person. Amen. Now, the mystery of God. Brother Bram said that's it. He said to know who, the, at the finishing of the seventh seal, the mystery of God should be finished to know who God is, to know what he is, how he lives, his nature, and his being. You're supposed to be all the way up here by that time, bringing us into a full stature of sons and daughters of God, a church that's washed in the blood of Christ. See, it was a great mystery. It was a great mystery. But Brother Branham said, sure, it's a great mystery, but it's all solved now. <laughs> Brother, I tell you, if you did, did anybody in here study DNA? Do you all know that they finally solved the language of DNA? In other words, the, the, it was a mystery of the, of the numbers and the language, and it was the symbols, and it was a mystery because it wasn't all solved out. It was, they were working on it. But at one point when they finally solved all of it, they said, okay, it's solved. Now every condition, every DNA of man is in this certain number and it might have to be reassorted or have to be split a certain way, but it all exists now. So they solved it out. When William Branham broke the seven seal, he solved it out. 
The, the, the message holds the revelation of the entire thing. The, my goodness, it's all in there. You want rapture? It's in there. You want the healing? It's in there. You want the power of God? It's in there. It's all there. Brother Bram said they see that it's all been solved. Now it's been solved for a purpose. God didn't just solve it. He solved it for somebody. If you ever think about this, God knows his word. Why did he write a Bible? For you. God knew who he was. Why did he send the prophet? So you would know who he was. So the message isn't for God. It's for you. And it's for you to know God. And if you know God, it will bring strength into your life. Amen. It'll make you strong. Now, of course, in Abraham's covenant, Brother Branham tells us about the covenant. And I, I know you're a well-taught church, so I don't have to teach. I'm just going to mention it and move on. I know where you're at. So, But, but y'all know that the covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 15 was Jesus Christ. Jesus, it's a lot of scripture on it, but Jesus was the covenant of God. He was the unconditional covenant. He's what God was going to do no matter what Abraham did. I will bless thee according. I will bless thee. And in Isaac thy seed shall be blessed. That was the blessing upon him, was the blessing of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was uh, the covenant of God. Now, Brother Brown discusses Old Testament covenants. Said you lay out a, you got two men making a promise. Now, if me and you made a promise and we shook hands on the promise, that's our covenant was the handshake. God's covenant with man was Calvary. All right, then what he done was he said, like, if I was promising to do something, you were promising, and we laid a dead beast out in front of us. He said, now, we split the beast. He said, and that beast being split was the confirmation that if either of us broke our word, we would be as this dead beast. He said, so, so y'all know what I'm talking about. It used to be a covenant was a handshake, you know. And somebody said, well, I'll take that car, and you give them $100. You shook a hand. If it was a month, and you come back, car sitting there, it's your car. Right, because the handshake was a covenant. Don't try that now, buddy. But you can you can buy something on the phone, and before you get there, somebody offered them ten more dollars. It's gone, because nobody's word's good. It's not a covenant. A handshake's not a covenant, and you got to get it in ink. And still, they probably got a lawyer and get them out of it. But when God made a covenant with man, He made it through Jesus Christ. That was God's covenant with man. Now, Brother Baron said what he does, he broke open the body. And he said, and God took the spirit out of Jesus Christ. He said, and gave that spirit to mankind. And he took the body back to heaven where he holds the corporal body of Jesus as his part of the covenant. And he gave you the spirit as your part of the covenant. So if you're a covenant holder, you hold the power of God by his spirit because you're Gentiles, right? Right? Amen. The only way you have a connection to God is by the Spirit of God, which makes you Abrahamic covenant. And if you hold the Spirit of God, everything in God is in the church by His Spirit, by His covenant. Now, the thing He did was He gave you His Spirit. Brother Bram said He took the body. Now, you got part of the covenant. He got part of the covenant. And He said that covenant was made with man. Now, the prophet tells us in Seed Not Air But the Shuck, He says it like this He said, But see, that covenant builds strength as the ages go along. It would be like you making a covenant and saying, you say to somebody, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but I'm going to give you the first 300,000. I'm going to wait 10 years, give you another 300,000. I'm going to wait 10 years until I complete or fully give you the covenant, right? 
So what was up through the ages was the Holy Ghost, right? Brother Bram said the Holy Ghost in every age. So they got part of the life. They got part of it all the way up through the ages, the church ages. It was a son of God dispensation. So all the way up through there, the son of God was being ministered by the baptism of the spirit. And it was being manifested in that. So we got it in justification. It wasn't the whole thing, but it was the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the whole thing, but it was the Holy Ghost. Remember, Brother Ben said it was in every age. But what it was doing was coming to full strength. And Brother Branham says it like this. He said, see, but when you can come to say I and my father are one and these other things, then the shut pulls away and the real genuine bride church will come forth in the entire word, in its fullness and in its strength. My, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm saying that Pentecost give it strength to you. A lot of people look back to Azusa and they say, well, if we can have what they have, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That everything good that was in Martin Luther is in this bride. Everything good that was in John Wesley is in this bride. Everything good that was in Azusa Pentecost is in this bride. Come on, church. The life that produced that was only trying to bring it to the seed. And now we don't have part of it. We've got the fullness of God through the fullness of his word, through the fullness of his people. What are we talking about? The strength of this message. Amen. It's stronger than Pentecost. It's stronger than being justified. It's the strength of God coming into the church in the reality of his word. Now Brother Branham says the shuck give its strength into the sea. And he said it's been a good shuck but it served its purpose. Now it's the word bride of the word groom. You said preacher what are you talking about? I'm talking about your prophecy now. There's a people that shall know their God. The bride will know the revealed word. The prophet gave us the revealed word so you could fulfill Daniel 11. But it also says she will be strong. So where does the strength of this bride come from? Brother Branham says it. He said, see, see the shot give its strength to the seed. Amen. In other words, the life that was in the plant has been dumped out into the seed and the covenant that God made with the church has come to full strength. I don't have time to teach on it. I hope you know where I'm talking about. But the son of man come full in Elohim when Elohim come to Abraham. It was the word in dust, right? It was the son of man in the father age. Then the son of man came in the son age of Jesus Christ, stood there as the son of man and fully manifested God in the son dispensation. But in the Holy Ghost dispensation, the son of man has never been manifest. And in the last days, the fullness of the son of man is to be manifested under the ages and God would step down into this bride and breathe life and strength into this church. Strength for rapture, strength for anointing, strength to overcome. Amen. In this weak and wicked age, strength has been promised. So, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the Bible said, amen, strength. I love David. Y'all like David? David's a powerful writer. I'm a, I'm, I pay attention to the writer. I, if I'm reading the scripture, I say, who wrote this? Because I think sometimes it, it has an inflection of the man doing the writing. And David, David says in Psalms 28, he said, for the Lord is strength and my shield. Now, if there's anybody had a right to, 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 to read that and write that and to sing that, David, a lion killer, a bear killer, a boy, a ruddy boy, lion killer, 
Goliath killer. He said, for the Lord is my strength. It's not my muscles. It's not my intellect. The Lord is my strength, and he's my shield, and my heart is trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart gladly rejoices, and my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength. Isn't it powerful? He is the saving strength of the anointed. You say, well, I don't know how that person keeps going. It's the Lord. How do, how do you keep moving? It's the Lord. How are you walking upright in the most wicked age? It's the Lord. For the Lord is my strength. Listen, David says it like this in Psalms 84. I love this psalm, and y'all forgive me if I get a little carried away reading David. It, it, just, it just bubbles my heart. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. David said, if a man has God as his strength, that's a blessed man. Hey, you talk about strength that don't run out in your old age. You're talking about strength that don't run out in weary times. You can, the Bible said, hey man, that it would teach you how to run and not become weary. You can walk and you can not faint because the strength of the Lord comes into the church of the living God. Blessed is a man whose strength is in thee. I, I love some of these types that David said. He said, we're passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well and the rain filleth the pools and they go from strength to strength. Now, now, you, if you studied that scripture of the Valley of Baca, it's really not an actual valley. It's a, it's a figure of speech. Okay. It's talking about dry places. <laughs> it's talking about a man walking, having the blues. <laughs> he's going through a bad time. And he said, but the Valley of Baca, God will make it a well. If he's your strength, you can get in the driest place. Come on. It was, it's bad. It was, uh, it was uh, there in Bathsheba, wasn't it? That they actually named the well when, Ham, when Hagar, amen, she dug a well and she said, he's the Lord that seeth and heareth me. He knows me. It's not just you know God. God knows you and he knows you by name. He not ought to strengthen the church to know that when they're walking through the valley of the Baca, that God will make a well there and he'll fill the pools. You you can't dry up a church of the living God because they got an artesian well coming out. Come on, little church. What makes you bubble? Is it the deer drinking? No, sir. Amen. Is it the squirrel drinking? No, sir. But there's something on the inside that just keeps bubbling out of the church because God has put something in her. She's an artesian well. She's a, a fountain of life. I know the prophecy concerning you. A river of living water shall flow out of thy belly. For he that has his strength. Now the Bible said he would move from strength to strength. That troubled me. Strength to strength. What's that even mean? You ever think about that? Move strength to strength. And I, I got to looking it up, and I thought, my goodness, it's got to have a better. Somebody got uh, to say it different for this hillbilly to catch it. So I got into that, uh, I got into that uh, Amplified Bible. Is that okay to quote here? That Amplified Bible. And they just said something real good. They didn't change it. They just said it different, and, and it caught me. They said, go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. I said, oh, that's it. Hey, man, when a man, when his strength is coming from the Lord, he just goes from power to power. He goes from victory to victory. He's increasing. Listen, now, when I, I preached this and, and my wife asked me, she said, you know, she, knows, she said, hon, she said, you know, uh, you preaching the church is getting stronger. She said, uh, it, it, you know, uh, there's been a lot of trials. <laughs> There's been a lot of trials. And I said, that's right, hon. We got to talking about it. And the Lord gave me something. I, I was just, in, I'm sorry, I'm simple. God's got to show me real simple way. 
And I got to looking at it, and I got to thinking about back before COVID. Y'all remember that? Back before COVID, you know? That really was before COVID. That was. There was a time called before COVID when everything was wonderful. Restaurants were good. You could get a meal, you know, and it, it was a different world. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. But, but, you know, some of you were sitting in church back then. Before all this stuff, before all the separations and trouble, before, before the Believe the Sign movement, and before all the critics rose up and ever, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And some of you were saying back then, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it till tomorrow. Some of you back then, you remember, probably remember certain services or certain times where you said, Lord, I'm so beat, I'm so tired, this job or this, this situation at home or this problem in the church, I don't know if I'm going to make tomorrow. But after, after Believe the Sign, after COVID, after two crazy years of, of everything that can hit you, you're sitting here tonight. You are stronger now than you have ever been. You are getting stronger every day. Listen, the church ain't getting weaker. The church is getting stronger. And then you say, well, Brother Wayne, I'm barely making it. But look how far you've made it. Look where you're at. You're standing here in the most wicked of all ages. And you're still walking and you're still believing and you're still pressing. And you're here on a Friday night serving God. Stronger. And she's going to continue to get stronger. See, what it is, it's a spirit that's upon you. Now, you know there's types in the Bible. And one of the types of the church, Brother Branham said, in the, remember, the, remember the, uh, the letter to the church when he comes over there and he says, uh, he picked up the pen and spoken word original seed and he wrote and he said, as we come near the headstone, remember she'll, she'll get less in minority, but she'll get stronger in anointing or stronger in power. She'll be a stronger church. She won't be as many, but it'll be stronger. Remember that prophecy? Amen. But there's another prophecy. He said that there will come a messenger in the end time that will tie Joshua. He said, and there'll be another named Caleb. He said, who is a follower of Joshua. Amen. So, so there's two spirits that in the days of Moses when they left Egypt and they come over into the promised land. Do you know there's only two that came out? They came out and went in. Only two. Joshua and Caleb. And you'll either have to have the spirit of Joshua or Caleb. Joshua was the end time messenger. So we don't have Joshua's spirit. We're not Joshua. But we are Caleb. And any believer sitting here tonight is a Caleb in the scripture. And what Caleb did. Now I, I, I'm that, I, like I said I'm that guy. I want to see who David's talking about. If David said we're going to get stronger. I'm thinking who was David thinking about when he's saying stuff like this. Because David, David's thinking about somebody. What's David thinking about? He's got some examples that he's looking at in the scripture. And the whole tribe of Israel knows about this 85-year-old man, Caleb, who decided at 85. He come walking in and says to, he says to Joshua, he said, look, I'm stronger today for war than I've ever been. Now, I don't know if he was stronger than he'd ever been, but he was stronger for war than he had ever been. He was ready to fight right then just as much as he ever was ready to fight you know I think about men of God like our brother Sam Dale sitting here tonight amen he's stronger now for war than he's ever been amen there's something on the inside of that man amen listen this message is real 
This message is powerful. He's come through a lot of crazy stuff for a lot of years, but there's something on the inside of our elders. Listen, I don't despise our elders. I, I thank God for our elders. Amen. They're what holds up the corners of the building. And we got testimonies that God ain't just good to a 15-year-old and God ain't just good to 20. But amen, he shows it in the late parts of life that the power of this message is still just as real then as it was then. And this man, Caleb, was more ready for war then. And you know what he said to him? Joshua, he said, I want, I want what Moses said I could have. Now that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Amen. The strength of Caleb was that he wanted what was promised him. Now I tell you, I think I, I do, do y'all identify right there? Do y'all identify that something has been promised to you and you want what God promised you? You you you're telling you're telling the Spirit of the Lord, I want what God said I could have. That's all. I, I don't want somebody else's portion. I don't want what Israel's got. I don't want what the messengers have got. I don't want what the other people were supposed to do. I want what God promised me in this end time. Because, brother, let me tell you, that's plenty. That's plenty. And Caleb was able to go over in that land. Do you know what Caleb was asking for? I don't have time to read all this. Would it be okay if I preach it? You're taught. You know it's right. Amen. Do you know what, you know what Caleb was asking for? He was asking for land he had walked on. Forty years ago, when Moses sent him over to spy the land, Caleb walked the land of Judah. He was, he was a spy from the tribe of Judah, which is a powerful thing. And I, I don't want to take you down a long rabbit trail, but I think it's pretty, uh, pretty well known among the church, amen, that Caleb was a Gentile originally, right? But how did that Gentile get to be? Now notice they sent 12 over, and when they, when they, when they cast lots to see whose portion belonged where, Caleb was identified as a leader of Judah to find the property that belonged to them. And he was a Gentile, can you imagine? He was a Gentile. And I said, Lord God, amen, how did that Gentile get so embedded in that promise that he was the man that went over and walked the ground? And then I noticed what tribe he was from. He was from the tribe of Judah, brother. Amen. If he was from the tribe of Judah, he said, preacher, what's that mean to us? Amen. That means that tribe that let Rahab in was the tribe of Judah. That tribe that let Tamar, amen, come in like that. That was the tribe. I know she was a Jew, but look at how she become part of the seed line. Amen. That was what happened to Ruth. She was brought in under the tribe of Judah. Listen, church, the bride church is brought in under the line of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ is the tribe. Amen. Oh, God, come on. There's no priesthood coming out of that tribe, but not of the Aaron priest, but there's another order. There's a Melchizedek order, and that's the order the church has come under in the end time. My goodness, a possession and an inheritance in the promises of God under the line of Judah, under Jesus Christ has made you and put you into that land, and the same thing Caleb did when he looked at that land and he come back and all of them was looking at the giants and they said we can't do it and brother Brown said now there's a big difference between Caleb and the other spies he said they were looking at the giants and Caleb was looking at the promises and I 
I tell you, there's a, there's a spirit that's resting on the church of the living God. Amen. The world is looking at the giant. They're looking at the problem. They're looking at the situation. But the bride church is looking at the promises of God. And there's something rising up out of the ministry saying, we are more than able to take this land. We can take it. We can do it because God said we can do it. Do you see only Caleb went in under Joshua? If you're going to go in, you can only go in by looking at the promises of God. And look at, I kind of laugh. I kind of laugh when I think about this. I laugh about where in the world did those giants live is in that land. When Caleb went after his land, he didn't just go after any land. Brother, he went after the real land. Hey, man, those giants took over the best land. I've asked this just so you can really understand this point. Uh, if there's a guy 6'4 and 280 pounds walking in the room, where's he set? Where he wants to. He sets where he wants to. And where did the giants live? Where they wanted to. And then the best parts of the land was around the tribe of Judah. And that Judah, that Judah, y'all know what Judah stands for? It stands for praise. Do you know where the best, you know where the big giants move in? They move into praise. They move into worship. They move into the power of God. And those giants move in to hold the children of God out. But you'll never hold Caleb out. You'll never hold Caleb out of that land because he knows it belongs to him by the promises of God. And as long as he knows it's his, he's going to go take that land. And the Bible tells us, of course, Caleb did it. And he was strengthened to believe it even in his old age. Come on, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know that Abraham got stronger as he got older. The Bible said he didn't grow weak, but he grown strong in faith. Amen. He was nursing from El Shaddai, from the promises of God. How is this bride getting stronger? The age is getting harder. The things are getting worse. Problems are getting. How are you going to get stronger? Because you're nursing from El Shaddai. You've hooked into the blessings of God by the promises of God. And you're nursing. You're nursing it back. Of course, strengthened. I know this Bible said if you wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. Well, let me ask you, how long are we going to wait? Come on, church. I'm not just saying this. How long are we going to wait before we recognize that the Lord has come among us? We waited, but the waiting is over. The time has arrived. I say high time for the church of the living God to recognize who it is that's among us. The same God that defeated giants in the days of Caleb is here to defeat giants in the days of the church of the living God. He said, preacher, what are you trying to do? Get us to tackle a giant? Absolutely. I'm trying to get you to tackle every giant that says you can't do it. Every giant that says there's no more healing. Kill that giant with the sword of the word of God. Pick your sword up and fight back. Have the strength. The prophet of God gave us a third pull message. And he said it was the sword of the Lord. He said, but it matters the hand it gets into. Whether it has the strength or the faith to hold that sword. And I believe if you're nursing from this promise, you believe you can do anything, any place through Christ. Because God said you can. Amen. You say, preacher, what are we supposed to do? Well, I think we ought to take some action. Yeah. Right, sir. Amen. I think we ought to get away from this passive faith and get back into an action. We ought to get back from just learning what's about and put it in action. Come on, church. There was six wings. He humbled himself. He was reverent, but he had to fly. And I'll tell you this. The church has to get into action with the word of God. Come on. We're not just hearers of this word. We're doers of this word. Y'all believe that? Y'all good? Are we okay? 
Y'all's doers of that word. Can I, can I give you the scripture here in Daniel 11? Let me just re rehearse this to you. The people that know their God. Who am I talking to now? Amen. The people. That, who am I talking to tonight? The people that know their God. Do you know our God tonight? Do you know him? Then they shall be strong. Come on, somebody say, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. Now, why are you strong? Because I know God. He's revealed himself in this age. Strength has come into the church. Amen. And you say, well, I'm strong. But the Bible said you're going to do exploits. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Exploits, exploits. That's a powerful word. Exploits. Now, you know what that word, actually, it, it's got several definitions. But one of them, I want, I want to just take for a moment as we're getting, kind of getting wound up here to close. Amen. One of them actually means action. Exploit means action. Exploit means actions. It, it's, and they shall have action. They'll be strong and they'll be doers of the word of God. Do you know what the prophet said in God's provided lamb, 1964? He said, now he will... How will he be made known? He, we will know him by his nature and what he does and how he works. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And the branch bears the fruit, not the vine. The vine energizes the branch. He said, and if the branch ever brings forth a vine, it will bring forth a branch. It has a grape on it. The next vine comes out, the branch of the vine, there will be grapes on it. If the first church that come off of that vine was a Pentecostal church with the gifts, if that ever really puts forth another branch, they'll write another book of Acts behind it and that's what they had in the days of the apostles and the apostolic age has never ended. Isn't that powerful? Listen to the prophet. See, and they shall have actions. And Brother Branham says, if the bride ever puts forth, if God ever brings forth that bride, Come on, church. I'm not talking to a future people. He said the alpha has become the omega. I'm looking at it. It's not, it's not there's going to be a virtuous, sinless bride. Brother Bram said you are the virtuous, sinless bride. So we've arrived there. I'm not talking to another group. I'm not talking to Moses or even Brother Branham. I'm not even talking to their age. I'm not talking to some future super generation that's coming. I'm talking to you tonight. I don't know if there's 10 days left, church. I believe it's now. I believe we are the people of the Bible. I believe this is the generation of promise. I believe it. I believe I have a right to believe it. And if it ever happens, Brother Bram said it'll be a continuation of the book of Acts. How many knows the book of Acts never was finished? Because it's the acts of God in the apostles. It's the acts of God in the apostles. And God is still acting in the church. It will be a true church. Revelation book. It'll be a true church. The true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. That's right. It's a continuation of the book of Acts. Her actions will be God moving through the church. Now watch this. The, the, it's a powerful thing. It's not only action, but exploit speaks. It speaks of military maneuvering. Like if you, like Russia's, they're having exploits over there. Shock and awe. You know, they're bombing and they're, they're in exploits. They're sending their military out. They're doing maneuvers. They're exploits. They're actions. They're not just got missiles. They're shooting them. They ain't just got uh, armies. They're sending them into action. It's exploits. Brother Brown, uh, uh, of course, uh, one of the definitions actually says that a large-scale military accent, uh, uh, exercise. Now, of course, the Bible is telling us that the wicked shall do wickedly. So they're acting. Right? The wicked shall do wickedly. So they're acting. But the wise shall know their God. And they shall do exploits. Now, if you see that the church begins to do exploits. Listen, these, this church of the living God has got that Caleb anointing on them. 
And when they look at the situation, now, I don't have enough time to preach this, so I'm just going to say it and move on. But I don't care what you're doing. If you're in church, you're dealing with giants. You got a song service? There's giants in a song service. There would be reasons to not have one sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you got to kill some giants. Sure, there's, there's, there's giants in hearing preachers. Somebody said, well, you should just play tapes. There's your giant. But you've got to kill a giant to enjoy the word. Right? There's giants. There's giants in everything. Amen. But it's according to the promises of God. So somebody said there's healing. Brother Branham said it like this. He said, see, that when Caleb and Joshua went in the land and they come back with evidence of milk and honey, he said the milk and honey was the healing in the land. He said the giant that was in the land was that person that claimed their healing and didn't get it. So you've got to overcome that giant to take the, of the milk and honey that come out of there. It was the evidence of it, see. And every, in every purpose and everything God has, there is an absolute giant in that land. Now, if you're talking about the spoken word, how many of you know people that have so misused name it, claim it? They've so misused positive thinking and just say it and just confess it. And, and, and they've made it like somehow that you can operate outside of the will of God. Come on, church. Y'all know very well that Jesus was asking the, the devil to cast down the bread, stone and make it into bread. And Jesus wouldn't do it. Because he was showing you the power of God is not to be operated to show off for the devil. Brother Bram said it clearly. He said he wouldn't make the devil's bread. <laughs> I like that. He wouldn't make bread for the devil. But later he took a, he took a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 to show he could do it. But he didn't do it for the devil. He'd done it for his father. So the church of the living God must know that there's all kinds of things that happen. But the inheritance of this church, the inheritance of this bride, there is a portion of this. Am I okay on time? Y'all okay? He told me y'all was a three-hour church, so I'm only going to go about an hour. They'll all love you later, brother. <laughs> now, this is a 14-point sermon, and I'm in point three. I'm not going to go to 14. I'm just teasing. A good friend of mine said it like this, Brother Dave Siley, he's preaching one day, and he says, he said, can I have another five minutes? And he looks around the congregation, he said, anybody give me five minutes? Uh, just go ahead and raise your hand. Now, anybody give me five minutes? Raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. Come on, hands. <laughs> yeah, I tricked you, didn't I? But see, there's an inheritance in the church. Now, you've got to see what what's the inheritance is. What is the land that we're looking for? What's the place of our... What's the place that we've been birthed to possess? That's what we're, there's some reason you're born. There's, a, there's an anointing, an action that comes upon the church. And, and you know, I see Caleb taking his mountain. Now, if you say, what's Caleb's mountain today? Well, when Brother Branham was here, he showed us seven peaks in a mountain. Remember? And he spelled his name. He said, and there were seven peaks spelt the name Branham. Did anybody ever realize that God changed Abram's name to Abraham, making it seven letters? Projecting seven letters. Those mountains were already there, folks. So, so God changed Abraham's name to seven letters because there was another name on his mind that ended in H-A-M. Before Abraham was, 
he was already talking about this message. And give it the H-A-M, seven letters in the peaks. Brother Brown said three of them peaks. And they said the last one was the highest showing the last climax. Remember where it struck in the continental divide? Remember, it's either this way or that. He said after that peak, he said there's nothing. It goes right on out into the desert. He said it's the last peak. It's the last mountain. Look at Abraham's last mountain. It was in Genesis 22 when he went up with Isaac. And there Jehovah Jireh showed up. And he found the animal by creative spoken word. And what was the last peak of Brother Branham's name? It was the spoken word. He said there it was that third pull. Now, church of the living God, I'm one preacher that don't believe that the third pull was just for somebody else. I believe the third pull is for the bride of Jesus Christ. Somebody said to me one day, he said, Brother, Brother Wayne, if you believe we had a third pull, where's our first two? I said, well, the first two was ministered by an angel in the cave and it had to do with a sign in the hand and the prophecy of discerning of hearts. It has nothing to do with us. It was a vindication of a prophet's message, but the third pull was the opening of the word which gave us our identification and fed the bride church into becoming who she is. Brother, how can we not be the third pull? The third pull created us. We are the vindication of it. Everything about it has become the church. Now, of course, that third pull, if you're you're going to go up on that mountain, the best mountain's got the biggest giants. And somebody's going to say, you can't enter there. You can't go on that land. You can't be there. And I say they're intellectual giants. I say they never have believed God. But if a man really believes God, this bride can walk in the land of the third pull. She's on that mountain, friends, because God has given her that inheritance to go there. That inheritance was anointed to us. I got a section on inheritance. I'm going to skip it. Amen. There's an an anointing that comes upon them and the prophet of God said our inheritance was our names written in the Lamb's book of life right and that inheritance is our names written and it's the portion that God has anointed us to have do y'all know this is the only age the Lamb's book was opened in so millions of people's in the Lamb's book of life but you know your names in the Lamb's book of life why would God do that to bring a perfect faith that you would perfectly know who you are you would perfectly know he's your father and you could stand against anything the devil threw at you and know it belongs to you by the promise of almighty God. Listen let me say this Brother Bam said this may choke you to death but did you know that men that are sons and daughters of God are amateur gods? How many ever know that Jesus said it in the Bible? Did not the law itself say that you are gods? And then Genesis 2 he made man to be a god did he not? And Brother Bram says it like this. I love it. He said, we're waiting for the fullness of time when the pyramid gets up to the top. When full sons of God will be manifested. Anybody, anybody know he's talking about you? When full sons of God will be manifested. When the power of God will walk out. Hallelujah. And will take every power that Satan's got away from him. Brother, brother, brother. I'm talking about you think you're just some little weakling. You think you're just somebody that just barely making it and you're barely getting in. Devil's been lying to you. You are the people that know your God and have been anointed to do exploits in the last day. And the devil's trying to talk you out of it. He's trying to talk you into sitting down and being quiet and don't get involved.
exalted. And don't you claim your inheritance. Don't you claim your rights. Well, listen, let me tell you what. I don't care what the devil thinks. I've got a right to an inheritance of the power of the third pool. I'm going to claim my children. And the devil, I don't care if it hell lifts every demon in hell. Amen. I'm going to claim my God-given inheritance and what God gave me and stand on that word with a sword of faith. Because God said I could have it. And Brother Branham says, you'll take every power that Satan's got away from him. Yes, sir. He said, how can we do that? In the angel and his commission, Brother Branham said this, and then you can go hit Satan with the scripture and he gets as powerless as he can be. Do you know why you got to know the word? Because that's what you hit the devil with. It's written, church. It's not what you overcome. It's how you overcome. And you put the word in the hand of a believer that knows this land belongs to them. They can take the word and beat the devil off of every bit of the property that God gave to them. Do you know the Bible said that God called you God's? Now, I, 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 I'm sorry, this, this scripture gets, it, it, it illuminates so powerfully to me when the Bible said in Mark 11, if you say unto this mountain, y'all know that scripture, if you say unto this mountain and you don't doubt in your heart and you tell it to be moved, it'll be cast in the sea. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? But when you hear, when you hear Jesus, when you hear Brother Branham quote it back, listen to the difference, the way he says it. He says, see, he made man a God in dominion. And it goes from sea to sea, from shore to shore. And he has control of it. And when Jesus came, being the one God without sin, there is not enough time to preach that quote. He was the only little God without sin. Do you see what he's saying? He come into little God statue. God came into humanity. And he was the only God without sin. And being an amateur God upon the earth, he spoke and he did it. And Brother Bam said, look at this. He was the one God without sin and he proved it. He said, when the winds blow, he said, peace be still. And when he said to the tree, don't eat from these. He said, verily I say unto you, little gods. I say unto you, little gods, if you'll say unto this mountain. And now, now when Jesus said, he said, I say unto you, if you say, Brother Bam switches it and says, I say unto you, little gods. See, God created you in the beginning to be that, and the fall took it away from you. But this is the age of restoration, and the Bible is predicting the people that know their God shall return to the strength and the knowledge of the word, and by doing so, they will take action. They will take military action. How could you know what you know and let the devil take over? Come on, friend. How could you know what you know as a father and let the devil take over your home? How could you know what you know as a preacher and let the devil take over the church? Brother, I tell you what, the devil will have a handful if he comes into one of these churches. If he comes into one of these homes, he's got a handful because the people know their God. Do you see they will take action? And the Bible says, I say unto you, for this is the manifestation of the sons. Brother Ram said the manifestations of sons, true sons, born sons, field sons. If they take, speak the word, their word is backed. If they speak the word, their word is backed. I love this quote here. Brother Bram said, I believe there's a church on the road tonight, a power of the living God, that men will speak the word. And it'll flash like lightning. A church is coming out, not psychologists, not some put on or make belief, but a real, true, genuine, anointed, Holy Ghost, God-called church. Woo, brother, 
speak the word and it'll flash like lightning. Isn't that powerful? It'll manifest right before them. The prophet of God said, see, he has no eyes but mine and yours. He has no hands but mine and yours. He energizes us and he brings forth life and brings us through. Whether it's by the preaching of the gospel by lip or it's seeing vision by eye. Whether it is the laying on the hands of the sick. Whatever it is, it's Christ working through the branches of his church and every office literally electrified by his presence. My goodness, I sometimes you just feel, I have to be honest, you're preaching, you feel like about a 4,000 votes. You're just, just electrified. What is it? It's the power of God. It's his word speaking and casting spirits from the mind of the people. Telling them, hey, look, if you take this word in hand, it'll defeat Satan. Anywhere, any place, any time, under any condition. It'll come through the branches of this church. Do you know that Brother Branham actually says you're living in an age when your thoughts will become material? <sighs> if anybody ever needed the mind of the Lord, we need it. He said you're living in a time when the thought would become material. Do you know that in the fifth seal, Brother Branham says this. He said, I believe the hours approaching when missing limbs will be added. <sighs> missing limbs will be restored to the glorious power of the creator I believe if he made a squirrel appear he said a man or woman's got a missing part the complete animal itself hey man there's a, there's a season we're living in he said preacher what are you talking about can I, can I share with you if you go read this part in the fifth seal do y'all know what he, you know why he says this because he just prayed for a little girl with leukemia in the back room and he says now for God to heal that little girl he had to recreate the blood cell he said, so it was a creation of the blood cell in there. He said, if God can do that to heal that leukemia, he said, then I believe we're living in a season he could add a limb back. Amen. Now, y'all say, well, that happened in the days of Brother Branham. You know, I, it literally, over there in Norway, back about six, seven years ago, I was preaching a sermon on the seven stars. I was in the Norway convention with Brother Paris, their summer camp meeting, and one of the evenings I'm preaching on the seven stars, and I just took the thunders and opened the, I opened the symbols. And instead of saying unto the star of the Ephesus age, I just said unto Paul and unto Irenaeus. And I was just reading the Bible like it would have been written if the thunders hadn't sealed it. But once it's released, the seals is off. Now you can read the book right, right? And I get to the seven star, and I said, nobody has a problem with the mother six stars. It's that seven star that all hell's against. And unto the angel of the church allowed to see it. So read it the way it's written. And unto William Branham I write. Brother, that'll make all the devils mad, won't it? Amen, but I'll tell you what happened. There was a lady sitting in that meeting that had been suffering with leukemia for about two years. She was very weak, barely could get into the meetings. I seen her earlier that day, and she was telling me how bad she'd been praying God would heal her. Amen, she was sitting in that meeting a year later. I seen her at that same meeting. She come and got me and set me down in the lunchroom. And she said, Brother Lawson, I've been waiting a year to tell you this. She said, you remember preaching on them seven stars last year? I said, yeah, I remember that, sis. She said, when you named William Branham as that seven star, she said, there was a warmness moved over me from the top of my head to the bottom. Of my Listen to me, friends. I didn't have my hand on her. I didn't have her in a prayer line. And I believe in prayer lines. You know I do. Amen. But I was preaching the word of God. And there was an anointing 
that struck that woman and she was healed from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet because we are in the season when the word of God is creative in its anointing and its power. Amen. Right there in the building, leukemia was healed. You said, preacher, that only happened one time. Not to me. That was another person sitting in my meetings one day and they were sitting there with a tumor. Right there, a man with a tumor on his breast. He'd been fighting it for weeks or maybe even a year by that time and they had it covered up. And I started testifying about God healing cancer and in the middle of it, brother Wade, he stuck his hand in his shirt sitting right there and he stood to his feet and said, brother Lawson, the thing has just disappeared off of my chest. Amen. It wasn't an unusual service. It was a service just like this but there was an anointing in that building and let me say this, the God that healed cancer one time can heal cancer again. The God that spoke squirrels can speak squirrels again. The miracle working God is in this building and we know him to be God. We know him to be full of his mercy. The same one that created it the first time can create it again. Somebody said, Brother Wayne, that's St. John 14, 12. Don't belong to the church. Brother Branham says, if you can't identify there, you have spiritual amnesia. Can you be identified there to believe that that is the truth? If it hasn't, then you're getting spiritual amnesia. You have forgot your Christian balance. If you can't identify with Mark 11 and John 14, the devil's threw you off of balance. But a true believer knows that scripture was written for this day. It hasn't happened in other days. It has not been for other seasons. But this is the age of the Son of Man when the Word is becoming flesh and the flesh is living now in the church of the living God. Listen, this is the Holy Ghost tabernacling in the church of the living God. You say, Brother Wayne, what are you trying to get at? I'm trying to say pick up your weapon and fight back a little while. You're anointed to fight back. You're not anointed to just take whatever the devil throws at you. You don't have to sit and take it. You don't have to let the devil drag your young people off the hell. You've got a sword. It's time to use it. Mother, you've got a claiming victory you can claim on. You can bring them back. So preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about getting the church of the living God to remember who they are. Remember what they're here for. Remember the promises that God has gave us. Your body is the tabernacle of the deity of Almighty God. It's where the devil's powerful. Let me tell you what Brother Branham said. He said the atomic weapon is not the most powerful weapon in the world. I got news for Mr. Putin. The atomic weapon is not the most powerful thing in the world. The prophet of God said this, the greatest power in the world is not the atom bomb. It is a believer in contact with his maker. Brother. There's a power in this church. I feel it rising right now. There's a law that activates it. It's the law of faith. It's the law of faith. And whatever God will lead your soul to believe, that is yours. The same as when Caleb put his foot on the land, when you believe it with your heart, it is yours and you can possess it. They will take action. They will display strength. It's talking to you. Amen. They will take action. They will display strength. It's talking to you. Listen, I'm, on, I'm, I'm closing right here. I want, to, I want to say this to you. All hell is against this. If you thought that you were just going to believe this message and walk easy, you're wrong. There's giants in this land. And you're asking yourself right now, if it's right, why are there so many battles? Because it is right. 
It is right. You're going the other direction. All the world is moving that way, and you're going against the grain. That's why it's a battle. But you were built for it, brother. You were built for it. Brother Branham said, everything is against the spiritual revelation of Christ being here now. It's against it. It's against it being here now. Now, I know, I know it ought to be. I know it ought to be easy. It, it, you know, it, it ought to be, but it ain't. Because God didn't build it that way. He built it as a battlefield. You know, uh, you know in, in the Scripture, there's an, oddest, there's an oddest Scripture over in the book of Judges. And do you know the Bible said that God left giants in the land after Joshua died? How many ever read that? said the giants were left in the land after Joshua died. It said the generations of the children. After Joshua died, there were people that lived. And you know why the giants were left there? It it's, it's actually says it in Judges chapter 3. It tells you exactly why God left giants in the land. He said to teach them war. God intended for them to learn war after Joshua left. Isn't it amazing? Brother Brown's been gone now. 57, 57 years he's been gone Christmas Eve. 57 years and there's giants left. You said, preacher, why is there still giants? Because God had to teach you to war. Young people, you've got to learn to war. You've got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to pick up your sword and fight back. Mom and dad ain't always going to be there. It ain't always going to be that somebody else can do the fighting for you. Sometimes you've got to just pick your sword up and fight because you've got to learn to war. You've got to learn to overcome. You've got to learn to be. You, if, if, y'all got a little youth group here? Got a little fellowship? I guarantee you somebody's had their feelings hurt because they wasn't invited. And the best thing for a pastor to do is not even have a youth group and then you would never have that. Come on, church. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. You'd never have to deal with it if you didn't have a youth group. But if you're going to have a youth group, and I think it's a good thing, then you're going to have some giants you're going to have to kill. So instead of wondering what's wrong with the youth group, know this, there's a giant in that that don't want you to have that fellowship. So pick your sword up and quit being a crybaby. Quit wondering why somebody didn't invite me. Somebody didn't call me. Somebody didn't do this. It's the devil trying to destroy you. Pick up your sword and fight back. Uh, sorry, I don't want to slip over in the pastoring gear here, but y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're going to have church, if you're going to be here, if you're going to have fellowship and friends, and there's going to come stuff up in this church. There's going to come directional differences. There's going to come ideas, probably not any doctrine, but one's going to think it should be done this way, and one's going to think. And the best thing is just don't have church. There wouldn't be no fighting, right? Nobody would argue. Nobody would feel. But if you're going to have church, you're going to have giants. But listen, it's the word of God that we can have church and we can live in unity and we can have peace and we can bring joy in life. But if we're going to do it, we're going to have to destroy the giants that move in the church of fellowship. No, we're not going to shut the doors. We're going to cut the head off of the devil. No, we're not going to quit having youth groups. We're going to cut the head off of the devil. No, we're not going to quit preaching the word of God. We're going to cut the head off of the devil because it's a God given right to do so. Ah, oh, come on, church. 
My goodness, y'all's a good crowd. So preacher, what are you talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Fighting ain't just ain't just about preaching the word. It ain't just that. That ain't all it is. Don't you ever separate war from worship. You can't do it. You can't separate war from praise. Now, if God's teaching you how to war, he taught him in the Bible how to do it, didn't he? Remember what he did when he taught David how to war? David learned it by dancing before the Lord. Listen, David learned to play music, and he learned to war the demons with music. But David wrote beautiful word. He understood his God. What about Joshua when he met the captain of the host, and he stood at a wall that wouldn't move? What happened to him? He inquired of the Lord and God told him, you walk down the walls. But when it come to the end of it, remember, they begin to praise God before the walls ever begin to fall. And let me tell you this, that's the way you wore this devil. That's the way you wore the problems. That's the way you wore. Sometimes you got to praise God when the wall's still standing, when the problems are still there, when the troubles are still there. Listen, amen, sometime or another, you got to shout before you see it. You got to praise God before you know it's there. You say, well, I tell you, I ain't got no reason to praise God. It's according to what you're looking at. If you're looking at the problem, no ma'am, you can't do it. But if you're looking at the promises of God, amen, the Bible said you'll overcome it. The Bible said we're going to be victorious. The Bible said we could have, come on church, I'm talking to somebody in the church of the living God that's going to fight this devil. Not just by the word, but they're going to praise the God of heaven in doing so you know you're going if you, you ever confuse the devil sister you ever confuse the devil hey man I know that devil hates me I confuse him I confuse confusing devils I depress depressing devils I make nervous devils nervous I make anxiety devils anxiety hey man you say how do you do it I'll tell you how I do it just like they done it in the Bible when a great host come against Jehoshaphat you know where he went he went straight in the temple of God and he began to pray and when he began to pray God told him the battle is not yours it belongs to the Lord and remember what he was told he said look you go out in this great company but before you go you pick yourself some singers and you pick yourself some praisers and you send them out in front of the word and the Bible said I will confuse your enemy amen come on I will put an ambush on your enemy amen and I'll tell you it's a powerful thing and the Bible records that they went against a great multitude and the only thing they did is worship God and song and the word was coming behind them the army was moving in but by the time the army got there the enemy was already defeated listen I tell you what you could do tonight you could start praising God right now and confuse that devil and make him wonder why is this man worshiping why is this warfare I tell you why we're doing it because that's how we do war we are warring an enemy and we will not be defeated. Can you stand to your feet with us tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I should come back sometime and do a whole sermon on how to do war, but I'll tell you this. You never learned that in the army, brother. They never taught you in the Marine Corps how to do that. But in this army of God... The prophet of God said, you begin to take the word and you begin to worship God. You watch what happens. Something will take place. Something will change. I wonder if our musicians could come tonight. Something will take place. And I believe tonight, friends, I believe that this is a season. 
I believe it's your season. I really do. I really do believe that. So, preacher, what are you talking about? I know people are talking about, well, there's some great move coming, some great revival in the future, and all these things are going to happen. And at the same time, they say, Russia, I will bomb us tomorrow. So, can somebody give me some time for the bride to manifest? Would you just put a little spot in there somewhere for the bride to manifest? I believe we're them. Shake somebody. Tell somebody, we are the people. It's a secret. Can you imagine? You, you, go to, you go down with your friends and you see people in town. They don't even know who you are. It's amazing, isn't it? If God would give them sight, do you know what they'd see? You know what they'd see, really? They'd see a great cluster. They'd see a great anointing with four cherubs circling you and a rainbow swirling. You say, preacher, y'all really, ain't never seen the picture of Brother Branham? Well, the fire strikes him right here in the middle. Well, read the book of Ezekiel. The throne of God. Brother Bram said, you can't see God. He's in the throne. Who's the throne in the end time? God's hid in the throne. And Brother Bram said, watch how he said in Ezekiel, and the fire was from his loins down, and the fire was from his loins upward. And the fire was around about him. And Brother Bram said all the seven colors of the rainbow was right there. The four living creatures was there. He said in this one picture represents the entire church of the living God. If you could see it right now. The fire of God is flowing across this place. I'm talking to the people of the Bible. Which one of you just signed up for this? God came got you. And then he began to enlighten you and illuminate you. And something in you accepted it. It's the grace of God that came to you. Listen, don't lay down your weapon. Don't give up this battle. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Hold your weapon. Worship God. And let his spirit move that thing away from you. Let's just bow our hearts. Grace and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your anointing tonight. We thank you for this lovely congregation. On a Friday night, Lord, and they're just drawing and drawing the Word. I thank you for men of God that teach people this Word. I thank you for these brethren that have, Lord, they've taught them this message. Grounded. Taught them that it's right and Hold on to it, Lord. I thank you for men of God you've dispatched here in Georgia to hold the pillars and light out, Lord. For these people that would gather around this place tonight, I thank you and pray you, you would bless them, God. May you anoint them. May your great Holy Spirit lead them, Lord. Now, right here now, Lord. Father, maybe there's one here tonight that needs to do war. Something's come up in their life and they don't know what to do. But I pray tonight, God that a light would shine in a dark place. I pray the day star would arise and Lord, they would see the way out tonight. Now Lord, we invite you in this place. We ask you to charge us, Lord, with your anointing. Charge our hearts to believe you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.
Bless you, friends. Yeah. 